This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 35 with Gene Garino. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. You know, over the last few weeks, I've talked about one of the mega trends in our life, the baby boomer trend. I covered this trend in episode 32. Please listen to that episode if you have not already. Now, the baby boomer generation is the generation that's defined as post-World War II babies born between 1946 and 1964. The first wave of baby boomers turned 65 in 2011, and now the first set of baby boomers are turning 70 in 2016. The baby boomers account for over 26% of the population in the United States, according to the Pew Research Center. Guys, since 2011, 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 years old every day for the next 19 years. You have to think every day how you can provide value and serve this demographic. This is a window of opportunity once in a lifetime. So regardless of the industry that you're in, you will be impacted if you're on this planet. And there are endless opportunities for everyone to serve and provide value for the baby boomers. As I mentioned in episode 32, this is the first demographic group that will enter their golden years, computer literate. Think you can't have an online business providing service and value for the baby boomers? Think again. Now, we have spoken about the possible effects of this boomer trend and the current government and central banking policies on the global stock markets, real estate, and we also discussed other opportunities. One of the opportunities that we did discuss in the wealthier end of this demographic is to provide residential assisted living housing to the baby boomers. Again, as we've learned from my previous guest, Jay Massey, in episode 13, it's incredibly important to know who you're serving. You've got to know your avatar. So Jay used the examples of Nordstrom, Target, and Walmart. 40% of baby boomers have virtually nothing saved for retirement, and most people making less than $40,000 have no retirement plan through their jobs. For these baby boomers that will not have enough money saved for their golden years, the opportunity exists to serve them through mobile home parks and RVs in the real estate market. Please listen to Episode 5 with Frank Rolf, the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States, if you're interested in serving this segment of this demographic. For boomers that will have planned accordingly through insurance, long-term care insurance, and or have the means or whose family have the means to privately pay out of pocket for services like residential assisted living housing, this segment is one of the biggest opportunities that exists. I got so excited the more I learned through my research about this, and I'm excited and honored to have Gene Garino, 
the president of the Residential Assisted Living Academy based out of Phoenix, Arizona with me today. Gina has over 30 years experience in real estate investing and business. And today, Gina is focused on just one thing, investing in the mega trend of senior assisted housing. Having trained tens of thousands of investors and entrepreneurs over the past 25 years, he now specializes in helping others take advantage of this huge opportunity. Gene is also a certified financial planner in the United States and Australia, and since 1976, he has owned and operated 16 businesses and has been an angel investor in numerous others. Gene has written four books, hosted two radio shows, and has spoken to over 250,000 people in four countries since 1990. Gene's goal is to help people by training investors and entrepreneurs how to do good and do it well. Before we are joined by Gene Garino, just a reminder that you can download any book for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free trial and audio book download at cashflowninja.com forward slash free book download. You can also support the show by doing your Amazon shopping through our homepage, cashflowninja.com forward slash Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything and you support our show. All of our show notes and past shows are at cashflowninja.com. And you can join our community and mailing list by texting the word Cashflow Ninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. If you sign up to join our community, I will email you three of the top 10 books ever written on building wealth. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Cashflow Ninja podcast with your host, MC Lobsher. You must be prepared to ignite. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, MC, for having me. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey as an entrepreneur, investor, and educator, and how you got into the residential-assisted living housing niche? There's a big question. Well, I started when I was 18 years old. That was my first house that I ever bought. And uh, I, I did that because, you know, even going back a little bit farther, I was a professional musician as a teenager, and we played in bands, and I was too young to play in clubs and bars. So we started our own. We had a music school where we taught lessons, and we had a, a coffee house because we couldn't serve alcohol that we could play in and have other people. And I just visited that the other day, which was very exciting here. It's a an old ramshackle building now. It's a part of history. But we ended up buying a house, no money down when I was 18 because we had no money, no credit, and just had to do it. And then we did a rental property and a fix and flip. And five, six years later, did our first commercial property. And I've been doing real estate ever since. But entrepreneurship and business, always looking at opportunity and what you see, which brings me all the way to today, 30-something years later, where you know I started to see that senior housing was going to become a very important part in it. With the baby boomers, simply a mega trend that you cannot ignore. So that's why I focused on it four years ago, and that's all I do today. It sure is a mega trend. Now, can you speak a little bit about that trend? Absolutely. You know, the, the stats are there's 77 million baby boomers. We've all heard that. But the oldest baby boomer today is 70 years old, which sounds, depending on how old you are, old or young, but they're not in assisted living, but their parents definitely are. Their parents are... 80, 90, and 100 years old, so they need it. But 15 years from now, when the baby boomers come into their 80s and 85, the boom in senior housing and assisted living, it will be off the charts. Today, it's huge. There's waiting lists for homes today. But 15 years from now, when this tsunami of baby boomers hits 
It'll just be off the charts. So for the next 20 years, 20 years, this is the place to be in real estate and business as an opportunity. Now, Gene, what exactly is assisted living and how is this different than a nursing home? That's a great question. The When we talk about assisted living, and it's just that, uh, the words assisted living, when we start off as an infant, uh, a baby needs everything from changing diapers to feed them, to clothe them and bathe them. Then as we get older, we become more independent. And then as we get older beyond that, we get back to needing some help with feeding and medication management and bathing and so on. So that assisted living is exactly that older people, typically seniors, where they need help with those activities of daily living. We In the industry, we call that an ADL. So some people need a lot of help. They need truly everything, just like an infant would. And others need just a little bit of help, the medication management, the housekeeping, uh, helping them with food. So it's a group home, and that's what we do. We do it on a residential basis, a group home for seniors where their activities of daily living are taken care of 24-7. As you've mentioned, this mega trend has been talked about quite a number of folks, but uh, some people have actually talked about this huge opportunity that exists in this niche that you're in, uh, Harry Dent being an, an example. Can you give an overview just of the process of how you identify a home that would be a good candidate for this niche and the process involved after purchasing a single-family home to turn it into an assisted living home? Yeah, the most important thing, MC, is going to be location. I'll, I'll talk exactly what the home is that you would look at, look for and you know how you would go about getting it, but it's the location first. So uh, I have I train people on how to do this. And the first thing that most people who are untrained do is they look for a house and they say, I have a perfect house. Well, why is it perfect? Because it's, and then they fill in the blank. And I always start with, where is it? So I look at the location first. So where I want to be located is where people who are of, a, of an upper income or upper middle income live where they're of an age where they have parents who are going to be moving into these homes. So demographically, I want to be where people are, not out in the middle of the woods or the forest or an hour outside of town. I also want to be in an area that's more upscale, not the cream of the crop, but you know, getting closer, upper middle class, upper middle income, because they have more money to pay for mom and dad to live in that home on that private pay basis. So we can talk more about that. But where I've got that location, it could be smack dab in the middle of a beautiful neighborhood with a gated community. It could be in a busy section of that town that nobody else wants to live in because it's too busy. It's on the main road. So for me, that means convenience. If we come, we're brothers, we're coming to visit mom, I want it to be convenient, not an hour outside of town. So location is critical. So once we talk about location, now let's talk about the house. Seniors themselves, when it comes to stairs or multi-levels, it'd be better if it was one level. So single level home is your best option. But many senior homes are multi-level and upstairs and so on. So there's lots of ways to get around that. And one is to not have the seniors living upstairs. So you just have offices or caregivers upstairs, or you can have a chair lift that goes up the staircase, or you can install an elevator inside the home. Now, I know that sounds expensive, but when I get into the numbers, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, you'll, you'll understand it's well worth that. So the home itself, bigger is better. The more square footage, the better off I am because I can convert that space from whatever space it is now, dining room, family room, parlor, former, formal dining room, whatever it may be, into bedrooms or other living space. 
So more square footage is better. And then the more bathrooms, the better. You know, legally, you only have to have two bathrooms inside that home typically. But if I have the ability to add additional bathrooms or make one big bathroom into two smaller bathrooms, that's a great way to go. So bigger is better. More bathrooms is better. Location is critical. Single level is better, but multi-level is certainly doable. So that gives you some good guidelines for what to do. Do you need any specific licenses? And do you need, a, obviously, a certain amount of liability coverage? There's a lot of things going through my mind right now as you're sure. talking about that just as, <laughs> as, as, far, as far as that side of the business. Uh, can you speak Absolutely. to that? Yes, and, and that's perfect, MC, because I know everybody who's listening right now, when I share some of this, you're going to be, you're going to have more questions. So jot them down just like MC is right now. So the first thing you mentioned licensing and then insurance. So let's talk licensing. Every state has certain rules and regulations for what you can do and can't do. Uh, throughout the United States here, there are uh, many states that say we have no limit. You can have as many seniors in that home as you want. But some states, and, and keep in mind, that's based on fire codes and how big is the house and so on. But some states say, okay, you can only have 10 people in a single family home for senior living. That's my limit, Arizona. Texas happens to be 16 people in a single family home. Uh, Washington state happens to be seven people. So it's different numbers in different states, but some are unlimited depending on the size of that house. So once we know uh, the how many we can have, now the next question you mentioned is licensing. So the state itself, through their Department of Health Services, or DHS, typically has a license that's required for this. Now, some states like Arizona, Florida, this is relatively common where you go to the state, they've got forms, they have a process, they have a department, it's all set. Other states, I have students in Delaware, for instance, where They've never done this before. Rhode Island, never done this before. So we're going in and we're showing them, here's what it is, how it works, and so on, and kind of creating it as we go. But there's paperwork, and that paperwork is typically in the form of an application. They want to make sure that the house is proper, that it's safe. If it needs smoke detectors or sprinklers or certain size bedrooms, all of that's in the application. Then the other part of that is somebody needs to operate this business. This is a business of senior housing. So most states have a, uh, a licensed administrator, a licensed facility manager. They call it different things in different states. Now, I'm not a facility manager. I'm not a licensed, uh, I'm not a, a caregiver or the administrator. I hire those people. In some states like Texas, that's a 24-hour class and you're now a manager. In other states like Arizona, it's a two-year process. So different states, different rules. You need a, a manager. You need a home that is in the right location and has the appropriate amenities so it's safe for the residents. And those are the two from a, a licensing standpoint. So we walk people through that process of what you do and how you do it on each state. The other topic you mentioned was the liability insurance. And it's really interesting, MC, that you, you that was one of the first questions you've asked because that's one of the most uh, common concerns that people have is, what about the liability? Well, the first thing is it's not a medical facility. It's not doctors and nurses and gurneys. So it's not a hospital. It's not a doctor's office. It's none of that. It's a home. So it's a group home for the elderly. Now, you do want to have insurance. Some states don't require it. I'm going to suggest you absolutely want it. It's a professional liability insurance policy specifically for assisted living in a residential setting. 
it's typically about a dollar a day per resident or less. So if you have 10 residents, that's $300 a month. That's the common cost. So it's a line item in your budget, $300 a month for my liability insurance. And that's on the business side. On the real estate side, I would suggest also that you have a liability policy, the typical slip and fall for real estate related matters. So you're going to have those two liability policies to protect you. And do these properties need to be zoned a certain uh, way and designation? In each, uh, the state uh, zoning doesn't really go statewide, it goes locally. So wherever it is you are, that county will have certain rules. And then inside that, the townships or the communities will have certain rules. So there's different zoning and some areas it is, you can do whatever you want. Literally, you can have commercial, you can have residential, you can have multifamily. There really is no rule. More commonly, it's going to be divided between residential, multifamily, commercial, industrial, and so on. So you do need to look at your community as to what the regulations are, what you can do and can't do. In some states, it's a matter of you can only have so many of these homes within a certain distance of each other. So it might be you can have 10 people in a group home for seniors, but you can't have one of those homes within a quarter mile of another. So that's a common restriction where we just don't want every home on the street to become a group home. That makes sense. Then there's other ones where it says you can do this, but you have to change the zoning from R1 to R2. And that might be literally just paperwork, just fill in the paper, pay $50, and we change it from one to the other. It's still residential, but it allows for a group home. And in some areas, it requires what's called a special use permit. So that's where there is a more formalized application. There's usually an announcement to the community, specifically the people right nearby the house, to say this is what they want to do. They want to change the use from single family to a group home. If you have any concerns, come to the meeting, tell us about it. And what we find is, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, that's going to be impossible to do. And it's really not. Once you share with other people what this is and what it isn't, it allays the fears. People are always afraid of the unknown. Uh, so when you say group home, they think, oh, my goodness, there's going to be mad people living next door, criminals and so on and so forth. But when you explain to them that it's a group home for seniors, the average age might be 80, 85 years old. They go to bed early. They, you know, they're quiet and so on. And you show them examples of other ones. And you see it's the cleanest house in the neighborhood, the most well-kept house in the neighborhood. There's not teenagers racing their Camaros down the road at midnight. Uh, they understand, wow, this is a great amenity to have in the neighborhood. We've even had many of our students do it where there's homeowners associations. So in an HOA, a homeowners association typically states very clearly, you can't operate a business inside your home. Well, because of the Fair Housing Act, which is a federal ruling, they can't tell you that grandma can't live in the house. And they can't even restrict the number of people that live in the house, even though a lot of communities have those types of restrictions. Because of the Fair Housing Act, if you pushed it, if you went after it legally, you'd win. But I don't want to have the battle. So I'll typically pick a house without an HOA. So I don't need to do that. You'll get through it, but I don't want to have the battle. There's too many homes where I can do it without that battle. The zoning restrictions, we need to know what it is in your area once we've chosen the location, know what the rules are, what you can do and can't do. We can battle and go from 6 to 10 or 10 to 15, but if they say it's 10 and that's the limit, I'm going to go with 10. And if I want to do more, I'll do it in a different location, a different state. 
I know I'm giving you lots of information and kind of covering a lot of topics here, but dig in wherever you want to. No, that's fantastic. Now, let's jump into the numbers quick, Gene. So just through my research, I've heard you mention some examples where you can make on average $10,000 per month in residual income. Can you use that number just to provide an example uh, and just give some rough numbers and to show how entrepreneurs and investors can create some income streams around that number? Perfect. And I'm going to take uh, two angles on this. Let's just talk about the real estate first, because some people just want to own the real estate and be the property owner and be the landlord. So take a take a home and, and let me expand everybody's mind for a minute. Instead of a 1,500 square foot, three bedroom, two bath home, I want you to now think about a bigger home, 2,000, 3,000, even 4,000 square feet. That home, you probably can't cash flow it just from a rental year to year to a family you you probably it's too expensive to get the rent and so on so at best you might be making a hundred dollars a month two hundred dollars a month but if you could take that large home where the rent is twenty five hundred dollars and if you could charge five thousand dollars a month twice the fair market rent now you can make some serious cash flow and own the real estate so why would somebody uh, an operator of an assisted living facility why would they be willing and i'll say able to pay the twice the fair market rent. Well, the willing to pay you that, you're the landlord, you own the real estate is, they don't have to come up with the down payment, buy the house, the credit, and so on. How are they able to? Because they're gonna make a boatload of money in the business. So now let's talk about the business side. The average right now is $3,600 a month for a private room and assisted living nationwide. Now keep in mind, that's the average, which means there's lots of people paying more than that. There's lots of people paying less than that. The people that are paying less than that, the government, if you can't afford to take care of yourself as an elderly person in the United States, there is money available for you to be taken care of. The federal government gives money to the state and Medicare. The state creates a program and puts in certain criteria. Typically, it's if you have less than, let's say, $10,000 in assets and you have less than $1,000 a month in income or something like that, we will go ahead and pay for your care. Now. The pay for your care in most states, it's somewhere between $1,000 and $2,000 a month that the state is willing or able to pay for somebody's care. So let's cut it in half, call it $1,500. If the state's saying, I'll give $1,500 to take care of your mom, what kind of a home am I going to get if the average is $3,600? It's a way below average home in a sketchy area with small homes and sketchy food and sketchy caregivers. That's not where I want to live and certainly not where I put my mom or my dad. So 3,600 is the average. So let's say you have a home that's licensed for 10, 3,600 times 10 is potential gross income of $36,000. Now the expenses that are involved in this business are not just the real estate. Most importantly, we have caregivers, you have a manager, there's food, there's entertainment, there's all of that, but the expenses itself, let's call it $20,000. That's a big number. That's if the house is full. That includes vacancy rates because you're never going to be full. So vacancy rate, you've got caregivers, you've got food, entertainment, your mortgage, everything inside that $20,000. Now let's put in an extra $5,000 for debt service, mortgage payment. So if you have a home that you're buying, the debt service $5,000, that's a pretty nice home. If there's a home that you're leasing $5,000, that's a pretty nice home. So I'm being conservative with the average of 3,600. I'm being aggressive saying we're paying a lot for the real estate. And at the end, when it all comes down, there's 
$10,000 that's on the bottom line. Now, I do not work in any of these homes 40 hours a week. I own a number of these homes, and I work maybe 5 or 10 hours a week on average, and sometimes it's not even that. I may go visit the home once a month, or I might not. So it's not a business where you have to be there every day. It's not a business that requires you to work 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week. It's a business where you can own and operate. You have people that are working for you. They're the ones that are taking care of the day-to-day what's going on inside the home. And the net from that, 36 minus 20 minus 5 is 10, 11,000. And if you have a much nicer home, here's the cool thing, MC, is your expenses don't really change a whole lot. The biggest expense is the caregivers. So let's say we have a home that is is $5,000 on average per person, 50000 on the top line. Let's say my expenses go from twenty to twenty-five thousand, and my debt service goes from five to, you know, ten thousand. You're still making fifteen thousand a month, and I'm being incredibly conservative with these numbers. Uh, a single-family home doing this business should net you somewhere between five thousand and twenty-five thousand per month after all expenses are said and done. Incredible. Now, in these yeah. programs, this is paid for by insurance and private by the family and government programs, correct? So Medicare, Medicaid? Actually not. And that's that's a great point you brought up because if you're going to focus on the Medicare, Medicaid, and so on, you're going to be dealing with the lower end. What I focus on and teach my students to focus on is the private pay. That person who's willing and able to pay for mom or dad's care uh, because they don't want to be in an average or a way below average facility or home. So there are there's about 10% of the people in our country that have long-term care insurance policies. So that's a private insurance policy that will provide $100 a day, $200 a day for somebody's assisted living when they need it. 10%. The other 90%, they really don't have a plan. Their plan is, my kids will take care of me. Or... You know, I'm going to spend the money that I have. I'm going to sell the house that I have, liquidate all of my assets and use that. Or I don't have anything and the government's going to take care of me. So I don't focus on and I do not encourage anyone else to focus on the ones where the government pays for it because $1,500 a month, my expenses are virtually the same. So I just can't make it work financially. This isn't it for me. It's not a charity. It's not a not for profit or a nonprofit. You can do that. And doesn't mean you're not making a boatload of money, but I can't do it where I know I'm going to lose money from day one. So I focus on the private pay, but long-term care insurance, those are wonderful residents to have uh, because many times we can get more from the from that insurance company than we could uh, for the private pay. I, I have a, one room, for instance, that when the gentleman wanted to move into the room, uh, the going rate for that room was $5,000. And I asked, do you have long-term care insurance? Well, yes, I do. Well, terrific. What we'll do is, because I asked to read the policy so I could see, I said, we're going to go ahead and bill the maximum allowable amount to your insurance uh, company. No problem. The company allows me to bill $225 a day. So that's $6,750 a month versus the 5000 that I would have gotten. Now, if I only bill five thousand, let's call that you know one hundred and ninety dollars a day. If I only do that, the insurance company's happy to pay that. But it's not like the resident gets to save that money. It's the insurance company that is saving. So by billing the maximum right. allowable amount, 
even the 3% increase every year, I can build that next year and so on. So understanding the business and how it works, that alone right there is, a, you know, let's face it, an extra seventeen fifty a month is an extra $20,000 a year just from one resident knowing how to do this system and do this process. Now, Gene, what are the three ways that investors and entrepreneurs can best take advantage of this opportunity to serve the aging baby boomers? You know, I love the way you said that, serve, as opposed to just make money, because one of the themes that we have is do good and do well. Um, I, I am absolutely uh, understand making money, but I also know that making money is actually easy to do. And the older I get, the easier it becomes. And part of that is just focus and wisdom. But doing something that is lasting and serving. So I love the way you put that in C. So one way is to, you literally could just write a check and invest in a REIT or some type of a fund that does senior housing. You're totally out of control. It's a nameless faces investment. You're really not going to get any kind of feeling of doing good and doing well. So you could do that. Another way is to uh, buy the real estate and lease it to the operator of that home. That's a great way to go if you just want to own the real estate and not have any of the the day-to-day. So make your extra $2,000 a month on the rental of the property. The third way is to own that real estate in one entity, create the business like I describe and teach in another entity, lease the property from yourself, and make that additional $10,000 a month in revenue, net revenue from that business itself. So it's either just write a check, be involved, or own the real estate and lease it, or own the real estate and the business, operate it. And here's the kicker. Here's the bonus. When it comes time for UMC and for me and everyone else who's listening to move into one of these homes, you move right into the master bedroom and live for free. There's no cost, no pain, no hassle, and you're not leaving a burden to your kids and your grandkids. So yeah, that's a real big bonus as far as I'm concerned, too. Now, Gene, one of the questions I ask all of my guests is, when you reflect on your journey and just your experiences, if you cannot pass on any money to your children and grandchildren and you are only allowed on to pass three principles to them to build wealth, achieve success and happiness in life, what would they be? That's a, that's a fantastic question and there's so many lessons that I want to pass on. So let me just start, give you a few. One would be enjoy the journey. It's not getting there, it's the process. Uh, it's not being there, it's the process of getting there. So enjoy the journey. Another would be that, you know, nothing lasts forever. And I mean specifically the pain that you're going through, the problem that you're having, whether it be a problem tenant or, you know, you're in front of the board trying to get the zoning, everything will, nothing lasts forever. And I guess a third would be is surround yourself with positive people, people that are lifting you up and encouraging you, people that are saying you can, you will, you should, you, you, you know, I'm here for you versus those that tear us down and say you can't, you should, you won't. Uh, surround yourself with the right people. Those are three of the words of wisdom I would want to pass on. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Are there any books that you would recommend for people that want to learn more about this mega trend and how to serve the aging baby boomers? That's, uh, you know, I have bought many books and I've read many books on the topic and there's nothing out there that really, uh, everybody states it in their book. Even Harry S. Dent with his book, you know, The Demographic Cliff, that's right there on page 90, the best investment in real estate in our lifetime is assisted living, right? It's right, right. there. But most books that I read really just have a one-liner or they've got a, you know, one paragraph, but it's not a how-to or here's watch me. It's, uh, it's hey, this is good and you should get involved. 
Um, that's why I created the, the training academy to train people how to do exactly what I do and how they can do it too. And so I, I'm going to say it to you this way. There's lots of great books out there on this topic, but I haven't written the book yet that is going to, here's how you do it. I train, I teach, I, I do the class, but I haven't written the book that lays it all out for you yet. If anyone in my audience have questions and want to learn more about this, how can they learn about you, your company, the courses, the education, and keep informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Sure. There's a, a website and a phone number. So the website is ralacademy.com. That's residential assisted living. So ralacademy.com or just call them. We've got people that are there to help and, uh, I've got my family involved with me, whether it be my wife and my, my kids who are adults now, right, at 480-704-3065, 480-704-3065. Because my guess is a lot of people have lots of questions on what I've shared now, so just call us and let's have a conversation or go to the website. I've got videos there and some webinars and testimonials so you can see what other people are doing. You know, it's interesting, MC. I what I'm at the point right now where I'm at is in, with the training academy and sharing with other people is I'm going out to people's projects that they've started. So last week I was in Utah and visiting uh, students who are doing their first homes, their second homes, and it's so exciting for me to see these people that came to the class. They took action. It's a reality now, and. The, they're there and they're sharing with us. I'm doing this. It allows me the freedom too. And I've got my kids with me and it's, it's just so fun. And I'm having a ball traveling around and meeting these people that are doing their first homes. So I was in Dallas before that, and uh, Florida before that, just going through and seeing it was very exciting. And you said a very important word there, take action. So for my listeners, if you have any questions or this is intriguing or interests you or you want to learn more, please take action and go to that website. Gene, thank you so much for coming on the show and providing so much value to my audience, sharing so much knowledge and your experience and your journey. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, MC. Thank you for joining me and my guest, Gene Garino, the president of the Residential Assisted Living Academy. This is one of the biggest opportunities out there to provide value and serve baby boomers, guys. There's not a lot of people in this space because they see a lot of hurdles and barriers to entry into this niche, which, as you heard from Gene, is not necessarily accurate. If you're willing to research, study, and learn everything you can about this niche and work hard and smart, you can do this. Gene cannot provide value and serve all 76 million baby boomers. He needs your help. Visit his website. There's a ton of great information on there for more questions that you may have. And there's a ton of great research on there as well. So as an entrepreneur and investor, I just know that so many people would want to invest in this trend, but they don't know how to. So you can be that entrepreneur that can solve that problem for them. So you can get to raise the capital you need for your deal and then also buy the property or business that's providing value and serving these baby boomers. It's a win-win for everyone involved with a ton of value being created. And that's what free markets and capitalism is all about. I am personally going to study and learn more about this. And I will share my research and experiences with my email subscribers. So if you're not on there already, please get on that list. Remember to grab your free book download from Audible. You can download any book for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free trial and audio book download 
at cashflowninja.com forward slash free book download. And please support our show shopping on Amazon through our homepage at cashflowninja.com forward slash Amazon. And also remember to join our community and mailing list by texting the word Cashflow Ninja, one word, all capitalized to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. As always, guys, if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please go to our contact page and send me an email or leave a voicemail on our SpeakPipe voicemail line. That's our show for today. Time to take action in your life and create the life of your dreams. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cash Flow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher. The podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.